So self-kindness. Why is it so difficult for us to include us in kindness, friendliness, gentleness, support, care? I think it makes really sense. I mean, you can almost feel that this has to be the base for being kind, compassionate, empathetic to other people. It makes complete sense. Yet it is so difficult, and they, they did research into that, and it's, it's like worldwide, that most, for most people it's, it's more difficult to have a caring attitude to, towards their inner life and who they are than they, they would to their kids or to, uh, to, to other people. And there's probably you know, many factors involved why, the, why this is like that, cultural and from your own psychological history and the country you were born and the, the kind of religious and philosophical background which we are influenced by even if we don't uh, feel that we are Christians or like you know, Greek philosophers or something like that. You know, but the, all that of course influences us, this background. So a possible, um, a possible difficulty in this is that it might it might see it, it might be understood as a weakness yeah? to be it, it's like it sounds so, like so soft like kind of uh, soft you know so it's like weak because it's good to be like a mm, get things done be a bit tough be a bit hard push through to your goals. Yeah? That's like kind of male and now I'm not talking about women and men, but like you know, as a value, as a value in our culture to to be a tough tough woman. Yeah? A tough guy self-compassion, self-kindness, you know, I mean, it takes a long time to convince, I mean, it's, it's happening now, but it took a long time to make this in any way interesting for leaders. So that could be one problem. Another problem could be that it sounds a bit like self-pity. Like, oh, poor me, no? This kind of... Uh, so we are afraid to be like that. Uh, and, and we know how, how self-centered people are who, are who suffer from self-pity. Oh, why is this happening to me? It's, it's always me and nobody loves me and it's, it's so hard. And, 
Oh, yeah, and, and they get into a loop. And they are kind of immune. Well, I mean, I say they, you know, we, we probably all have faces like that. Attacks, <laughs> self-pity attacks. Poor me. Why me? It's only me. Uh, so, and of course we don't want to be like that. Self-compassion is something else, but there might be a bit of a hesitation. <coughs> Another problem could be that it is understood as indulgence, to indulge yourself. And, you know, as a Swedish person, you shouldn't do that. But uh, this is uh, actually quite, it might take some time so, to kind of figure out what is self-indulgent and what is healthy, genuine self-compassion, which is good for you. So, of course, like to eat a big sugary something every day uh, is not self-compassion. to eat a little sugary something every day <laughs> and make a practice of all, out of it could be self-compassion. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a continuum. And then on, on top of all that, ah, so then uh, one more point is we might think or we might be afraid that to, in order to get things done in our life, we need to push ourselves, we need to kick. So it's like there could be a fear, oh, if I'm kind and compassionate, I will be just lying on my sofa. I actually need to whip myself out of bed every day. That is what I have to do. And there's a fear that if that kind of softens to have no reason to do anything. Why should I go out of bed? For what would be the, the motivation if I don't whip myself? So, in self-compassion and in the work of, and they also have done research on that, they, they see and, they, and people experience and they find in their research that actually gentleness and kindness and self-compassion is a much better motivator. And one way to understand this is, Imagine to have a child, or those of you who have children. I mean, probably you have whipped your children too much. I mean, because you have been whipped. That's how it is. But you know that this is wrong. And that it's not helping. And you have seen the results of it. So, 
if that is understandable, if you, uh, if you, if you, if you kind of imagine a child which has been whipped to school and whipped into having good marks and whipped into sport which it doesn't like and whipped into a school it doesn't like and whipped into a study, whipped, I mean, like, yeah, with, a, with a stick, or whipped into a study which, uh, which <coughs> he, he does not like. It's obvious how much encouragement and gentleness and believing in the resources and encouraging what is there, how, how, much, how much more powerful that is. And quite often we would not even do it with other people because it's too cruel and we know, but we do it with ourselves. (coughs) On top of all of that, we have... We here, we have a very particular problem on top of all of that, and that is the Buddhist teachings. (laughs) It's amazing. Because we get these teachings on you cherishing others and compassion and and stuff like that. And for for most people it goes wrong. Really, for most people it goes wrong. And until they leave or (laughs) or they find someone who's teaching self-compassion or pointing that out. Luckily we are here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean this, uh, this, I think, I, I think most Western teachers, Buddhist teachers would would integrate this, uh, but not enough. So they, you know, it's not enough to say, yeah, we need to be kind to ourselves, but, you know, and then two hours of, uh, you know, how, how dangerous it is to cherish yourself and that happiness comes from cherishing others. So it's not, it's not enough, it's not emphasis, the, the emphasis is not enough. And the training of it, yeah, so it's something we, we need to train. It's not like, okay, yeah, we also need to be kind to ourselves. It, it takes years to establish habits, different habits. I mean, if you have meditated on, I'm not good enough and I need to punish myself for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, that's not going to change through like just listening to one talk to, about self-compassion and self-kindness. They are deep, these patterns. They are really deep. Because we have meditated them so much. And we have believed them. We really believe them. <laughs> 
we really believe that there's something wrong with us and that we need to push ourselves. Otherwise, we will end up in the gutters. We really believe that. So the inner judge the inner we believe the inner judge. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. And then we when we try to argue with the, with him then or with her, then it's it's weak arguments because something in us really believes that we are bad people or that we are not lovable or that something is wrong with us and that we have not the right feelings at the right moment and yeah that we should be different. So so self-kindness. I will share some of the methods uh, of Christine F., different kinds of meditations, exercises through, through, uh, through daily, uh, in daily life. Um, you know, the mutra, the you know, Shenrizic practice. I love myself last time, you know, so this, these are practices. Uh, developing a habit of a gentle inner dialogue with yourself. Identifying the harsh dialogue. Not trying to stop it, but identifying it. Getting a bit of a distance, just allowing the, the judges to appear and they have their session but you don't care so much. Yeah. Uh, Loving-kindness meditation for yourself, Tonglen practice for yourself. Cultivating a sense of what, how on a felt sense, the felt sense of your body of kindness how does that feel like? It takes time. And what probably happens for most people, there will be also the arising of difficult people. So don't expect that these exercises and the meditation on self-compassion feels nice and good. That it could be also there sometimes, and and we will we will lean into experience more of that. But what it also brings up the sadness, how hard you are with yourself, the sadness of not having received that unconditional care in your life. The sense of lack, the sense of hurt, regret. Uh, so, and also, if we have too much 
of an idea how it should feel, then there is a, like a pushing or and then a disappointment that, oh, oh, I'm such a bad person, I can't even feel kindness to myself. So, uh, Christy Neff calls this experience backdraft. Backdraft. I have not looked up that word, but that's how she calls it. So that's good, of course. We already know as Buddhists that that is good. If stuff comes up, if you become aware, if you notice. And because that gives you the possibility to be with it, to understand it, uh, to cultivate a different relationship to the experience of this backdraft. Sometimes to get a sense of being held in a kind way, you need to work with the therapist. So this is so this is so powerful in the Tibetan tradition because in the Tibetan tradition when you work with an archetypical symbol of compassion like Shenrezig, you combine it with the presence of your teacher. So it's not just like an image, like, no? So you, you get a sense of, a felt sense of compassion through the presence of a teacher. And then you combine that with the presence of Shenrezig, the union of the deity and the guru. I mean, it's so important for me, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I know, my body knows how it feels to be unconditionally loved through being in the presence of Lama Sopa. And not only one day, years. So my body soaked it in. It's amazing to establish a relationship with someone who sees you non-judgmentally, where you can just, you know, and now I'm talking about, you know, coaches, therapists, and it's amazing. This is actually what, what heals in psychotherapy. It's, it doesn't matter what that guy or that woman does, it's irrelevant. And this is research-based, what I just said. It's not like something I make up. It's irrelevant. What is important is, is that loving space. And it might take four or five years. So it's not like eight sessions of cognitive therapy. That's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) 
if you are lucky, you have friends or you have a partner, but many of them are also very wounded. So their love is uh, their their love is manipulative. I mean, they they mean well, and sure, but uh, it's uh, it, it's it, it's like like two. No, I used last time the the symbol of an empty cup. It's like two people with an empty cup. So, and it's not the job of your partner. It's not the job of your partner to fill your cup. Then pay someone. Yeah? And of course, you can't pay empathy. So you pay for the time and that the therapist can do what she does, but you can't, you can't pay her love. That's un, unpayable. And if she doesn't love you, she's not a good therapist. Then leave. Well, sometimes there's no match. I mean, maybe you bring something into the room she can't stand in herself, and then... It's a, sometimes it's sad for me to see people who meditate and meditate and meditate for years and years and years and nothing happens. Of course not. This is relational. So self-kindness, mindfulness, maybe some of you remember oh, me teaching the RAIN model. It's something some mindfulness teachers came up with. I will send you a link to it um, where you can read about it uh, from Tara Brach. She, she, wor she works with that a lot. So the RAIN model uh, is kind of it's a good uh, a good way to have some some aspects of mindfulness. Uh, so the R stands for recognition. So that's learning to notice, and of course, this is crucial in the work of mindfulness uh, in the work of self-compassion. To notice the pain. To notice the first noble truth. that we suffer, that we struggle, all of us. That life is so fucking difficult that nobody would choose. <laughs> to get on to this fucking planet, full of war, full of starvation, full of rape. So that recognition. Noticing. The A stands for acceptance. This is how it is. This, this is how this is how it is. So we can stop pretending. And our culture is so good in pretending. And we are so good in pretending. not going there, contracting the whole body because feelings seem to be such a horrible thing. 
you know, almost like wishing not to feel anything. And then developing all these patterns of not feeling. Addictions. Yeah. Thinking. That's the favorite for many people. Thinking. Thinking about feelings. Freeze. Violence. Make other fe- people feel bad because you can't stand your feelings. So acceptance. And again, that is something which does not fall from the sky. It's something really we need to... Wow, what does it mean to let things be? What does it mean to accept, to notice, to say yes? I think uh, the, the yes could be a, like a pith instruction. Yes. Yes. This is how I feel. So, yes, this is how I feel. It's not making a cognitive psychology lecture about feelings. Yes, this is how I feel. Feel. So, recognition, acceptance, uh, investigation. So, in the work of self-compassion, investigation is not so emphasized, because it is a provisional placebo. So, it's not aiming at liberation. It's not aiming at awakening. Uh, But we can already bring it into. So, that's like investigating, what is it? What is this feeling? Where is it? Where does it move? Why is it so difficult to be with this? What is it actually? This difficult feeling, anger or whatever it is. What is it actually? To investigate. So that's vipassana, inside meditation. Putting it apart so that it becomes manageable. That, That it becomes manageable. You take it apart into its components. Then the third is the N, and if this RAIN model is used in the context of a liberating practice, then the N would be non-identification. But we are not going there, so as I said, we take things more serious than they are, for the sake of this talk. Otherwise it would deconstruct while I was talking. (laughs) And then I couldn't continue. (laughs) So, so, uh, shit, yet now I lost it. Just a moment. The end. Yeah, yeah. uh, The end. Yeah, yes, 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 the end. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Uh, So, the end uh, in the context of self compassion uh, stands for nurture, to nurture. So that would be, what do I need in this moment? So that would be, for example, the, the self-compassion uh, mudra. Or 
some encouragement, some inner dialogue which encourages you, or <coughs> calling a friend, or making a session with your mentor, or stuff like that, taking a massage, going for a walk, putting your cat on your lap, cooking something nurturing for you, for you going to the fitness center. So that's the nurture. Yeah. So we have self-kindness, we have mindfulness, uh, explained through the brain model, and then the third is common humanity, and that is connectedness. So this is ba- in a short, in like in a nutshell, it is something like, I have a difficult moment right now. Yeah, so then some kindness, or oh, yeah, this is really difficult for me. So, so noticing, so practice of mindfulness, noticing what is difficult, accepting that this is difficult, uh, having the kindness, the, a voice like actually really literally saying in your head this is a difficult moment for me it is it's really difficult yeah. so instead of saying shit you reclaim this is so embarrassing again you have feelings people will s- will think you are a drama queen <laughs> So, uh, but then, then it would be, yes, and life is difficult, we all struggle, and there's many, many people right now who experience the same. It is, we we are human beings, we have feelings, and life is difficult, this is how it is. And it's difficult for everyone. And then last time I talked about the different levels of compassion. In, in this case, it would also include the people who apparently have a good life because they are better to make nicer Instagram pictures. And their life is also difficult. They just have a better make makeup. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to believe if we look at the websites and videos and pictures. It's hard to believe, but if you get to know them, shit. They all they all meet death. They all have people dying. They all meet loss. They all and 99% of them feel I'm not good enough. That's why they need to put so much makeup. So some of the people who seem to be, who who seem to have made it, they actually suffer more than those who just suffer. (laughs) (laughs) So that's common humanity. So that's like the kind of the 
this moment in Tonglen, yeah, in the practice of giving and taking, when you connect with your own pain and then you connect with this is this is humanity. This is common humanity. We are sitting in the same boat. So connectedness. This is a, this is an important theme within um, the practice of self-compassion. This the sense of connectedness, because um, the you no know, pushing yourself and feeling I'm not good enough leads to this competitive competitive attitude, uh, comparing. Yeah. So like we. we we, we try to build up our self-esteem. That's another topic uh, uh, within the, the difference between self-compassion and, and self-esteem. But we're trying to uh, build up our self-esteem by being better than average. And that leads to jealousy, envy, uh, you know, like, I mean... Uh, nasty things you know it, 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 in order to build up our self-esteem we sometimes do nasty things we talk bad about other people we have bad comments about other people how they look or what they do or their art or something like that and all of that leads to disconnection and disconnection for a human being is a really bad place a really bad place because we're social beings. We thrive on connection. We need connection literally to survive. And a, and a life without connection is meaningless. I mean, it's not meaningless, but it feels meaningless for a human being. For a social animal, a life without connection feels meaningless. It is not meaningless, but it feels like that. So this, uh, this uh, re- reducing the, of this need to kind of feed your self-esteem through success and being competi- competitive, being better than average, that leads to disconnection. But also, um, the, <coughs> the, the lack of self-compassion and it's connected. Yeah. So, the competitiveness and the lack of compassion, and because with self-compassion, you you learn, you you, st- you start to have a sense of self-worth, independent, independent of how well you are performing, independent. It's a self-worth because you're human, and that's enough, because just you're human, because you're a human being with feelings and as in the Buddhist context, then uh, having Buddha nature. And that's enough. Now, of course, going back to what I said before, some people might think, yeah, but I need to push myself, otherwise I will not bring out my art. And uh, this leads into an unhappy life. Never getting there, of course, because there's always people who are better than you. I mean, better in, in what you want to compete with. And then, and then, of course, 
I mean, if your sense of self-esteem depends on how well you perform, you are doomed because you will get sick, you will have mistakes, you know, you will publish something which will be shattered. Uh, projects are not going to work out. So your self, so-called self-esteem goes like this. And it leads to disconnection. So if, if one would be happy about the success of others, which is the practice of rejoicing, that is connecting. That is connecting. Supporting others in their success. Sharing your work. Inviting other people in. Building teams. Support, mentoring other people. You know, giving them opportunities to perform or whatever. That creates a sense of connection. And that is where we thrive. 